What a story. You've probably heard it before that history is his story. Everything that has ever happened and is going to happen all points to that little baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. It's the Son of God, our Savior, the Christ child, baby Jesus. Of course, that story started in eternity. It's not recorded in Scripture, but can you imagine the conversation that God might have had with himself even before time began? Maybe, maybe it was the Father who suggested we should create a world and, and fill it with people and, and love them and bless them for all eternity. And maybe it was the Spirit who retorted, but they'll sin and ruin it all. Perhaps Jesus then spoke up and said, but I will save them. And so it began. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And for six 24-hour days, God continued to speak, and whatever he spoke, it came to be. Light, sky, land, seas, plants and trees, sun, moon, stars, birds to fill the air, fish to fill the seas, animals on the land. But then, maybe after a slight pause, God did something different. He grabbed a pile of the earth he had created and, and shaped the body of the first human being. He breathed life into Adam and placed him in the Garden of Eden and told him to take care of it and all of the animals and plants and trees and everything else God had created. And then after God asked Adam to name the animals, Adam realized he was all alone. He didn't have a companion or a helper. And so God put Adam to sleep, took out a rib, shaped the body of a woman, breathed life into her, and then as I like to think of it, walked her down the aisle and presented her to Adam and joined them together in holy matrimony. In his image, God created them, male and female. He created them. He commanded them to be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth with more and more of his children so that he could love and bless us. But then the snake came. We don't know when the devil, who was one of the created angels, sinned and rebelled against God along with any number of the other angels. But for a reason I can't explain, God allowed the devil to come in the form of a serpent and he tempted Adam and Eve. In their heart, they doubted God's love for them. And so they disobeyed the one command that God had given them, not to eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. And almost as soon as they ate it, the guilt set in. God gave them an opportunity to repent. He, he called out, where are you? They were hiding. And, and when they finally came out, Adam blamed God and the woman that God had made. And, and the woman blamed the serpent. And then God announced all of the problems that we still deal with today. Work is hard. Relationships are broken. Sickness, pain, suffering, disease, death fill our world. But God still loved his children. And so he made a promise. He told that serpent Satan that he would put enmity or hatred between Satan and the woman and between those who would follow Satan and those who would follow the woman. He promised that the offspring of the woman would crush Satan's head even though Satan would strike his heel. 
When Adam and Eve gave birth to their first son, they thought he might be the promised savior. But instead, he turned out to be the first murderer. Cain murdered Abel. God replaced Abel with another son, Seth. And as we heard on Wednesday in our teen Advent service, he carries forth the promise of the Savior. And all the rest of the Old Testament draws a line of his story. Cain's sin continued to fill the world to the point where the people were only sinful all of the time and God grieved. He, he regretted that he had created the world So he decided that he would wipe mankind off the face of the earth with a worldwide flood, but he still remembered his promise, and so he commanded Noah to build an ark. And after giving the world 120 years to repent, God put Noah and his wife and his three sons and their three wives and a pair of lots of animals into the ark. And while the flood destroyed the world, God preserved his story. There were only eight believers in the world again, but as happened before, sin filled the world. And so this time, God took a different tactic. He had promised he would never send a worldwide flood again. Instead, God decided that he would create a nation for himself from whom would come the promised Savior. And so God went to Abraham. Even though Abraham and his wife Sarah were old and well past childbearing years, God promised that they would have a son and that through that son they would have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. But most importantly, all the nations on the earth would be blessed through Abraham and one of his descendants. God repeated the promise to Isaac and then to Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. And that nation grew while they lived in Egypt for over 400 years, much of it as slaves. But God always remembered his story. So God sent Moses to deliver the Israelites from Egypt. Moses was supposed to lead them to the promised land, but because the people did not listen to God, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. Eventually, Joshua led them into the promised land, and they conquered the land. But then the people tended to forget about God. Foreign nations would come in and destroy them. The people would cry out, and God would send judges or deliverers. Well, after a while, that wasn't good enough for the people. They wanted to be like everybody else. And so they asked for a king. And God gave them a king. The first one, Saul, well, the power went to his head. But then God chose this shepherd boy, David, who would become arguably the greatest king of Israel. God promised David that one of his descendants would sit on the throne forever, not his son Solomon, but his greater son, the son of God. Of course, God's people with all of their kings, many of whom were not godly themselves, they they continue to forget about the Lord. They go into Babylon for 70 years, but God brings them back. And throughout all of those years, hundreds, if not a thousand years, God continued to provide prophets who would remind the people of his story. That the promised Savior, as we said earlier, would be born in the little town of Bethlehem. Born of a virgin. That the government would be on his shoulders and he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And, And then after about 400 years of silence from the prophets, the time came. 
It was no coincidence that Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. It was no coincidence that both Joseph and Mary were from the house and line of David, and so they had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It was no coincidence that there was no room in the inn or no guest room available, and that Mary gave birth to her firstborn son in a stable and wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger. As we heard earlier, there was no fancy medical facility, no doctors and nurses, no parade, no birth announcement. I don't even think Joseph posted on Facebook. <laughs> Hardly anybody realized it. A few shepherds came to visit, but God remembered his story. King Herod was afraid of the new king, and so he killed all of the children two years old and under in Bethlehem, but God had sent the angel to Joseph to take Jesus to Egypt, and after that, we don't really hear much about Jesus' childhood. We, we hear the one incident when he was 12, and he went to the temple and realized that he was growing in faith and maturity, but we don't hear anything again until that voice came calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. He too began preaching and teaching. He began doing miracles. But I, I think we often miss the most important thing that Jesus had been doing for all of those years. He was born as a human being under the law so that he could keep God's law perfectly. Jesus was tempted in every way that we are. Not just that one account that we hear when the devil came in, in the desert after 40 days of not eating and drinking and told him to turn the stones into bread or jump off the cliff or bow down. No, every single day Jesus was tempted just as we are and yet he was without sin so that he could give to you his robe of righteousness. Of course, the part we do remember is that Jesus was born so that he could die. He suffered not just in his body and, and not just emotionally from all the mocking and the humiliation. He, he suffered the weight of the sin of all people of all time. And that's when the story seems to be a tragedy. Mark records it so simply in his gospel. Jesus breathed his last. And the Son of God died. Out of respect, Joseph and Nicodemus came and took Jesus' body down and, and buried him in Joseph's new tomb. But as far as the disciples and most of the others were concerned, the story was over. Their, their Savior was gone. But then the story takes a dramatic turn. Three days after he died on Easter Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the dead. The angels announced he has risen just as he said. Jesus appeared to Mary and to the women and to the disciples. And for 40 days, he continued to appear to them, even hundreds at one time, to prove that he had crushed not only Satan's head, but sin and death and hell itself. <coughs> Jesus, after 40 days, ascended back into heaven, but promised that he would send another counselor. And 10 days later on Pentecost, you remember the sound of the wind and the tongues of fire and the speaking in different languages. The disciples themselves, they began to tell his story. The Christian church grew that day from 120 to 3,120. 
And God continued to work through human history. Because God doesn't just want his story, God also wants your story. And so for thousands of years now, God has continued to send believer after believer to tell his story to the next one, and they tell it to the next one, and they tell it to the next one, and they tell it to the next one. Who told the story to you? Most of you were probably born into a Christian family and you've known his story your entire life. You were likely brought as an infant to the font of baptism where the Holy Spirit gave you faith to believe that his story is also your story, that his death has paid for your sins, that his life counts for you, that death is now just a sleep from which we'll awake, that eternal glory awaits from us. But if you've known that story your whole life, don't take it for granted. Most of the people in our world still don't know, which is why the only thing left to do is for us to tell the story to our children and our grandchildren and our family and friends and neighbors and relatives and, and anyone we can find in our community and even throughout the world. It is an absolutely amazing story. A perfect world ruined by sin. The promise of a savior. A promise that his story is your story. A story of salvation. For that we thank God. Amen.